You're going to go first. Okay. Righto. Here we go. Thanks, Dad. Awesome. Okay. Well, who saw the, the rainbow today? How awesome is God? Man, that, was, that looked good. My dad actually called my mum, as in this dad, and was like, check out the rainbow. Anyway, um, if I've got a little bit of red eyes, it's not because I've been doing anything illegal. It's just because watching Lydia up there lead worship was really awesome. That's my little sister. She's awesome. And um, also, like some people say, oh, look at them. They're the future of the church. No, they are the church. We're the church. They're doing awesome. If you're not serving in the church, you need to find somewhere to serve like those guys doing awesome things. Anyway, I better actually start my message because we've got limited time and there's three preachers coming today, okay? We're gonna tag team, high five each other and keep on moving on. So uh, first of all, I wanna say thank you to all the people that helped out in sending us, uh, us youth. I suppose I can call myself a youth until I'm 30. And... Um, for sending all of us up to extreme camp in Mackay. It was awesome. It was really, really good. So I want to say thank you to the generous church for, um, for helping us to get up there because it was neck level stuff. So the meeting at extreme was super intense. Like we, um, we had awesome fellowship with, with some other Christians, with some other brothers and sisters. We listened to really good, really good quality messages. Renee was awesome and the worship was definitely next level. It was just such a good time. If you're a youth, if you're a young adult, you need to get your backside next year to Mackay for Extreme Conference because it was awesome and we experienced God in amazing ways. Today we're going to be talking about God encounters and that's exactly what happened on conference. Those one-time big encounters, um, they're life-changing. They're really cool. So I can pretty much guarantee that if you go there with a, with a, a ready heart, expecting, then you're going to be changed. So make sure you get there next year. Right, that plug's over. Um, I'm joking, they didn't pay me anything. So um, yeah, because it was super spirit-filled. The atmosphere was awesome, kind of like this, but more youth, more smoke, more lights. It was cool. Okay. So tonight we're going to be looking at some, some other God encounters. We're going to be looking at two people in particular. We're going to be looking at Saul and we're going to be looking at Ananias. I don't know if you guys know him, but we're going to be checking out his encounter with God. And we're going to be going through this good book called the Bible, checking out how they experience God, how we can experience God, what he does when we experience him and what we can then do after that experience. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to just jump right into it. Dear God, thank you for an amazing night. Thank you for bringing everyone here, that they can be here to, to listen to your word. I pray that you just prepare their hearts, make it like putty and just mould it to exactly what it is that you want them to be, to look like, to represent your son, Jesus. And I pray that you speak through me to them and that it's your words and not my words and we can have an awesome night and I don't talk too long. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. So what's the first thing that, we, that we'd have to do or that God does when we encounter him? Let's read the Bible and figure it out, eh? Acts 9. So turn with me to Acts 9. New Testament, go to the middle, keep moving, and we'll get there. Acts 9, verse 3. Show me your hand when you're there. Those with phones are super quick. Oh, good job, Govins. You guys are already there. You like beat me and I had a bookmark. Are we ready? Awesome. As he neared Damascus, this is... Saul that we're talking about. On his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Then the men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anything. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Whoa. That's pretty cray. Like, if I was Steve Owen, I'd say crikey, but I'm not, so I'm not going to say it. Um, But if you have a look at verse 3, that is an encounter on the next, next level. Like, we experience pretty amazing encounters at conference, but what Saul experienced was out of this world crazy. But you guys don't always want to experience that, because sometimes those encounters happen when you're doing something really stupid with your life, like Saul was. Like, he was going around murdering people, you know, arresting people. So he needed a complete turnaround. So hopefully you guys don't have to have that encounter. And other times, like in Moses' case, as Margaret mentioned this morning with the burning bush, sometimes God does these encounters for people when they have to face like really crazy significant things, kind of like walking through the desert for 40 years, leading millions of, of whining, whinging Israelites because that's what God told you to do. And you're like, why am I still doing this? Oh, that's right. I saw a burning bush that didn't actually burn up. Yeah, I think it's God. So unless you've got something massive like that called upon your life, sometimes for me, I'm like, I'd rather the little encounters, which means, you know, you're doing pretty good. Just make that minor adjustment this way. Not like, what are you doing, bloke? Turn around, go this way. Oh, sorry, Jesus. You know, so anyway, but we're going to go back to Saul here. And um, in this passage, Saul, who we usually know as Paul, because his name got changed because, you know, he was bad when he was Saul, then he was good when he was Paul and wrote like, pretty much heaps of the New Testament. Anyway, Saul was murdering and arresting Christians. He was just on his way to throw a whole bunch in in jail. and, And he knew that being a Christian was dangerous, right? He was doing this. He was protecting his Jewish faith and he was throwing people in prison. And anyone that claimed to follow Jesus, he was just gonna persecute them with severe punishment and everything. And on his way to Damascus, he had this, crazy, crazy encounter. Like God literally knocks him off, knocks him to the ground, blinds him. And what I love there is when he can't see anything, God does the most amazing thing. So for three days, he's blind, right? And while he can't see, God uses his blindness to reveal to him how spiritually blind he is. Like, that's awesome how our God works. It's crazy. So when we encounter with God, He shines His light over our life. He shines it and exposes the darkness. And who knows that when light shines, what does darkness have to do? Exactly, darkness flees. So the first thing that God does when we have an encounter with Him is He reveals. So if you're writing notes, number one, He reveals. So if you're anything like me, then you're not Jesus, right? It's just truth. And that means that you're not perfect. So somewhere along the lines, you've missed a step. You've mucked up. You've fallen short of God's glory. So that means that your life might be in need of some adjustment, some retweaking. And this particular time, I was praying. I was, I was on my knees pretty much 
I was on my knees thinking back. And I was praying for, for Revolution Youth. I was praying for our youth. I was praying for their innocence. And, and I was there, I was just like, Lord, please let the youth of Gladstone hold tight to their purity like a mother holds tight to a child or like a, a fat kid holds tight to a Mars bar. You know, like just, just let them hold tight to that purity. And then the Lord like, Sparta kicked me in the face and I was not ready for it. And he gave me these words. He said, how can you lead these kids when you still have your own purity issues to deal with? And I was just like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, um, what do I do with that? And, and I almost like, I was got defensive. I was about to back chat to God and I was just like, no, no, wait. No, that, that's not where it was meant to go. And then I actually did a heart check and I was like, oh, you're actually right. There are some things that I need to do. There's some character changes I need to make. There's some things I need to put in place before I can step out as a leader into this field of purity and lead others. So that's what God does. God reveals these things to us. God uses these encounters to highlight where we may have been misguided in life. And, and, and He reveals to us His direction. He reveals to us His plan, His purpose, and His vision. And just like um, the guy we're about to read, Ananias, God revealed something to him as well. But it was only like a minor wheel alignment. You know, sometimes that might be all it was. I'm hoping that, you know, mine was kind of just like a minor wheel alignment. But in Saul's case, very different. That was like complete overhaul. His whole religious view, his whole character was way out of step. So he needed like 180 degree turn. He didn't need minor adjustment. And like Pastor James often says, God gave him a checkup from the neck up. neck up. That's good. Okay, so turn with your Bibles again and we'll keep on reading from Acts 9, 10 to 19. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Awesome. Super, super, super good. So after God reveals something to us, we've already been through point one, God reveals. So after he reveals something to us, he doesn't just send us off without any of the tools that we need to do whatever it was that he, he created us to do or that his new purpose is that he's revealed to us. So the second thing that God does when we encounter with him is he equips. 
So number two, he equips. In verse 13 um, in there, we see Ananias letting God know how dangerous this guy Saul is. And he's just like, I don't wanna go. And God's just like, I know he's dangerous, but I'm here, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you with truth and I'm going to equip you with knowledge and then send him on his way. And off he went. And then later, we haven't read this, but in verse 27 and 28, it says that Saul preached fearlessly and he preached boldly in the name of the Lord. And Saul of all people, he knew how dangerous it was to be a Christian. Because when you think about it, he was the one in charge of persecuting the Christians. He was the one leading the way. He knew what the future held for him and that how much trouble there would be for him that he might end up in prison or it wasn't gonna be you know, easy street from here on. So he knew that, but God didn't just go, on your way, champ, but God equipped him with a spirit of boldness. So don't fear the encounter. Don't fear encountering and meeting with God because know that if God sends you, he's gonna equip you. So point two, God equips you and remember it. Don't forget it. So Saul and Ananias, they've encountered God. God's revealed how their hearts don't align with His. And then He equips them with what they need for the purpose. But what do they do then? What is it that we have to do from this point? Looking back at um, Acts 9, verse 3 to 9, slightly paraphrased, it says, A light from heaven flashed. Oh, sorry. Yeah. A light from heaven flashed. The Lord said, Go. And then what did they do? They went. In particular, Saul went. Then going a little bit forwards to um, verse 10 to 17, slightly paraphrased, it says, the Lord God called him in a vision. This is Ananias. The Lord said, go. And then what did Ananias do? He went. So that's that's the thing that they have in common here. The thing that the two people who encountered God had was that they went. So what is it that we must do when God reveals himself to us? We go. So that's the third thing, what we have to do. We have to go. The key here, as Pastor Margaret said this morning, thank you for letting the Spirit lead you and, and you know, just help my message out. It was really good. The key here is faithfulness and obedience, okay? So in the case of Saul and Ananias, God told them, go. And what did they do? They went and they went in obedience, And then if the Lord God says to you, go, what do you do? You go in obedience. But if the Lord says, wait, then what do we do? We patiently wait. Okay, so it doesn't just mean go full hardcore. If he says now's not the right time, then, you know, accept that because otherwise your plans aren't gonna work out very well. And in Luke 11, 28, it said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So count it a blessing, man. A great example of this is a young lady who, um, who heard God's word, who heard God calling her in that still, quiet voice. And they said, I want you to leave this town, this comfortable town called Gladstone. And I want you to go out into the world. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to be Jesus to people, even though it might be in a place where you don't feel comfortable, even though it might be a place where, that you don't know what's coming. And And I just want to um, just give a really good thank you and just a really big high five to Margaret Pashley, who has been serving the Lord for 30 years in the Philippines as a missionary with disgusting toilets and with, you know, all those 
feral things, but she stood out in faith. That's a perfect example of being faithful and obedient. So I just want a big round of applause for Pastor Margaret, for the things that she's done for the last 30 years and for the things that are still to come. We're always praying for you and we're excited about about the things that that are to come there. So thank you. And I just want to honour you for your amazing service. So guys, don't fail the encounter because God doesn't actually need us. The only person that we're hurting if we say no to what God wants us to do is ourself. God can use anyone else. He can use anything else, any other means, but He has chosen you. He has given you the privilege. He has given you the honour to serve Him. So don't fail the encounter. Let's be faithful. Let's be obedient. And let's serve Christ in whatever aspect it is that He has told us to serve Him. So let's seek to encounter with God so that He can reveal what it is in our life that we can change and let Him equip us so that we can go out and move and be an anointing, in anointing so we can just serve God and love on people. Awesome. Thank you. What a message. Wow. Come on. 14, that's okay. Sorry, Simona, you won't get to preach tonight then. That was seriously awesome. Good job, Stephen. Should have gone first, not going to lie. <laughs> All right. Um, so like Stephen, I'm going to speak on a rather miraculous encounter, if you will. Um, so let's go back to Genesis. We'll go old school. Genesis 32. And we'll pick it up in 24. So who knows if you want some of the weird encounters, you've got to go back to the Old Testament. <laughs> Pretty much just read Leviticus or Numbers and uh, you'll see why. All right, so Genesis 32, verse 24. Let me find it. So when Jacob was left alone, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched him in the socket of Jacob's hip so that, went, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then the man asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, he answered. When the man said, your name will, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me, oh no, we're finishing there, don't worry. It's good, it's good. I got two into it. All right. So keeping with the theme tonight, why do we need... Why, why do we need to encounter God? Why is it important for us to encounter God? What do we, what do we get out? What do we get out of it? What, why is it important in our lives? So I was thinking about this passage, and like, if you, if you caught it in there, it's Jacob, uh, Jacob wrestled with God is the heading of this section. So if you want a pretty hardcore encounter, you can either get blind by it like Saul, or you can wrestle God. You got two. It's pretty much the old version of WWE, Whatever you want, it's pretty good. So I was thinking yesterday while I was at work, I was like, Lord, why did you give Jacob this encounter? Because if you look at Jacob's life, he had about five or six and a couple where God was speaking to him. There's one where he's sleeping and he's dreaming and, you know, there's angels coming down from ladders. And then there's this one where he gets wrestled by God. I mean, if you're going to pick your favourite, I'm going to go the sleeping one. (laughs) Wrestling's not my thing. Ask Nicholas. I'll still beat him any day. But anyway, but I was thinking, now, God, why, why have you 
given this encounter? Like, like what is, what's the go here? What's, what's going on? So why is this encounter important to Jacob? So if you look at Jacob's life, a lot of his life he spends fleeing. He's, he's running from his brother, Saul, uh, brother Esau and his father-in-law or uncle Laban. Laban. So one of the important things to get from this passage of Scripture is he's, he's right in the middle. So he's, he's on one side, he's, he's sort of just on this side of the river and then Esau's on this side and he's, he's trying to stay away from him and God's like, in verse, verse 9, a couple of verses before, he's, God's like, oh, go make up with your brother because you'll be prosperous if you do. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So what's, what's really the important thing? I was thinking, God, why have you given Jacob this encounter? What's, what's the purpose of it? But it's God allowed, him, through this encounter, God allowed, or Jacob allowed God to work through some of the issues in his life. So you see, following this chapter, Jacob then goes and makes up with his brother Esau and they have an awesome friendship. They, they cry. It's, that's, that's, you know, it's important when men are crying. It's very, it's very emotional. And the other thing, sort of what um, Steve touched on, was following God, God's good and perfect plan. So at that point, Steve, uh, at that point, Jacob's got all his family, he's on the other side of the river, and it's just Jacob. You, right at the start it says he was left alone. So if you think about it, Jacob's on this side of the river, his family and Esau are on that side of the river, he's all alone, so what's he probably going to do? Run away, right? So everyone, he's, he's separated himself, and then God stops him and wrestles with him all night. Like, if you didn't catch that, that's verse 25. So all night he's wrestling with him. So God's taken him from Jacob from always running, 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 fleeing, running away. And he's like, no, we're going to stop. We're going to work this thing out. We're gonna... God's encounter with Jacob was about taking him from ignoring his problems to resolving his problems. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> we give glory to God. Mm. And then the next thing we see, like I said before in verse 9, God says to Jacob, go and make up with your brother and I will bless you or you will be prosperous. So Jacob was sort of tying up this thing. He's like, oh, Esau's over there and I kind of stole his birthright. He's probably still mad at me, you know, 20 years later. So I'm just going to run away and, you know, don't worry about the prosper thing, even though it's something God promised me. But no, he's, this, this kind of thing, it's wrestling in his heart. I think the, the physical is sort of, reflecting what's going on spiritually and in his thought. He's wrestling with God. He's like, oh, God, I don't want to go deal with that. You know, that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to cry. I'm going to have to apologise. I'm going to have to be vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, so just, just an example of that. Like, in my life, the last year, I'd just finished school, and I was like, I was thinking, Lord, you're going to take me to this big church in Brisbane, you're going to get me up on the, on the drumming team and, you know, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be this awesome drummer for like Hillsong and I'm going to play on all their records. But, and that was my thought for a long time. And then it wasn't until I had this encounter with God, I was, I was wrestling with God. I'm like, well, God, why haven't you sent me to, to Planet Shakers, you know, with Joth Hunt and, you know, I can teach him how to play guitar properly and, you know, help him out. And Mark Berrick, I can teach him how to play bass, you know, he needs... 
needs more help. But it was God was shutting all these doors. I'm like, God, what's going on? You rest. I was wrestling with him. It wasn't until extreme where I had this encounter with God and I realised I could prosper more here than I could there. Like what I did tonight, I wouldn't have done had I been at another church. So just to finish off, a couple of points to take, to take home. So what are you running from? So like Esau, Esau was running, from, oh, like Jacob, Jacob was running from Esau. So what are you running from? What do you, what do you need to get out with God? What do you need to wrestle out? And the other thing is, what are you wrestling with God over? So what are the things in your life that you're wrestling God for? Awesome. Good work, Joel. Cool. Who's up for round three? Me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, starting right here. David in the Bible was a man who set a great example for us to follow. So, as you've heard, both Joel and Stephen have shared about men in the Bible who have had some major encounters with God. But tonight, I don't want to share on one encounter. About, about a man, sorry, let me start that again. I don't want to share about one encounter a man had, but uh, <laughs> I've lost my thought, sorry. <laughs> but a man who I believed encountered God daily. So, you know, daily I do tasks like that keep me healthy, like brushing my teeth, washing my body, eating. We all do. <laughs> they only take a few minutes But done each day makes a big difference in our life, right? So let me show you what David does that makes a big difference. So to recap David's life, the milestones would have been David, he was the youngest man of Jesse. So he was a shepherd boy in the fields. He was the man who fought the lion and the bear. He was the man who was anointed king of Israel. He was the man who played the harp to drive out the evil spirits. He was the man who fought and killed Goliath. And most importantly, he was the man who was known as a man after God's own heart. David had a vital calling over his life. He didn't get to where he ended up just by chance. He wasn't known as a man after God's own heart um, just because God, you know, played any, mini, any, mini, mini, mo. No, God chose David. He earned this status, and I would hope to achieve something of that status in my own life. I believe David was doing something right. So now you could imagine, the duties of his first job were quite repetitive. Um, He would spend many hours in the fields watching the sheep, herding the sheep, counting the sheep, finding the sheep, repeating, you know. (laughs) David worked long and hard to do what he was asked, and being a shepherd was that first step. It was here in the fields, in the quiet moments, where he learned how to spend time with God. David's relationship with God became so strong that it didn't matter what happened in his life, he didn't stop encountering God, which led him to be a man after God's own heart. David followed God with his whole heart. He gave Christ his all. You know, our main goal in life should be to follow Christ with our whole heart. 
highlighting the whole. God is one and we will not know him closely enough until our heart is one and we seek him with our whole heart. This may seem simple, but is it really that simple? I want us to ask ourselves this question. Do we have a divided heart? Our heart, it's like a lock with a key. A lock that should only have one key and that one key should be with Christ. Sometimes we give our heart to more than Christ and thus more keys are given out. We may give a key to our career. We may give a key to our relationships. We may give a key to our finances and we may give a key to our health and there may be others. These are not bad things. They are actually good things that build a healthy life. Although it's when they sit in a place as equal to where, they, where you have given the key to Christ that they can cause a divided heart. It is when we place a priority on other areas of life without raising the priority of encounters with God. These additional keys turn out to be distractions. How can our heart, how can our whole heart be locked on Christ? You know, just this past week, a handful of us um, went to ACC conference, state conference, and it was awesome. Um, Great time of praise and worship, great sermons, great preachers. And um, one of the preachers had a great thought, and uh, he referenced our heart to be the wheels driving our life and like the wheels of a car. And as you know, at times, the wheels of our car can veer left or veer right and not go centre, which obviously means it needs a wheel alignment. And that's like our heart. Our heart can be the same. To prevent our heart from going off track and becoming divided, we need to realign our heart daily. David would pray continually each day. He didn't have a Bible back then, so he relied on his time of praise and worship, ensuring his relationship with God was real. Um, So really, it should be easier for us because, you know, we have Bibles these days. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, David's heart was focused on Christ. In Psalms 86, 11, 12, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. God could see David's heart. And I believe though, through these daily encounters, God blessed David and equipped him. God equipped him with the Holy Spirit. This was the only occasion in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit was raised, like brought up. As we know, God had Samuel find the next king, and that being David. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. You know, I had a thought that the five stones that David collected for the battle with Goliath were also a representation of what David had gathered in his life before the battle. So, through his daily encounters with God, David had collected a stone representing the understanding of prayer. He devoted time to speak with God. 
He had collected a stone that represented his understanding of praise. He had a heart to praise God and thank him. He wrote many psalms of praise. He had collected a stone that represents the gift of God's presence. God saw his heart and equipped him with the Spirit of God. And he he had collected a stone that represents his understanding of patience. God trained him to sit and watch the flocks of sheep, to sit and play the harp for Saul, and to wait for his timing to become king of Israel. And finally, the last stone that David, uh, that David collected was the understanding of persistence. David had a heart devoted and not deterred from God. Nothing could stop his encounters with God. So he had prayer, praise, God's presence, patience and persistence. David took the five stones with him daily on his walk with God. His daily encounters with God equipped him for each and every day, for each and every battle that came. When it came time to fight the physical battle with Goliath, David didn't need the physical armour. He already had God's armour over him. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He knew the power and authority that walked with him daily, that that could overcome any challenge. You know, like us today, we face many battles, spiritual and physical, but we have the ability to be equipped and ready for the battles. So the questions are, does God have the only key to your heart? Do we encounter God daily? And have we given our whole heart to God? Yeah. Thank you. Woo. Fantastic. We have the musos. Do you want to stand with me tonight just for a moment? Come on. Yeah. Brilliant. Why don't you just for a moment, just uh, close your eyes just for a moment. Could you just give yourself a little moment? Do you know one of the, uh, all that's been shared tonight is this powerful in their thoughts. Do you know there's only one thing or one person in this whole world that can ever really bring a hope and a future into your life? And that's Jesus Christ. And each of those I've shared tonight, I suppose in one way or another, they've shared that relevant truth that God is the only one who will, that if we encounter Him, He brings change. He brings a whole heart after Him. He brings a passion just to be obedient and faithful to what God wants us to do. And you know, His presence is here. We don't have to beat it up or sing it up or, or, or jump it up or do anything. Well, we just have to accept His presence is right here. And maybe you're here tonight and the reality is you've never actually responded to Jesus Christ. You've never... Because one of the things God would desire of you is your heart. He'd, he'd desire for you to believe in Him and accept Him as your personal Lord and Saviour of your life. 
And tonight He would be calling to you. And Holy Spirit is here just quickening and maybe putting His hand upon your heart right now. And you know that that's a response you need to make. You know, the wonderful thing about becoming a Christian is He promises abundant life now, a much better life now, but also eternal life in heaven. And heaven is the destination for those who believe in God. The reality is, is honestly, God's Word says that if we never confess Jesus and never believe in Him, unfortunately, when we pass from this life to the next, hell is the destination that we would be heading to. And, and He never made hell for us. <laughs> we were never meant to go there. But we choose hell by rejecting God. And God would say tonight, don't reject me, accept me in what I've done through my Son, Jesus. And so Jesus is reaching His hands out to you tonight. And He's saying, hey, would you please accept me and respond to me tonight? And you know what I'd love to do is I'd just like to um, pray with you a simple prayer of, of response to Jesus and accepting Him as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you're here tonight and you say for the very first time, you say, you know, I need to do that. I need to become a bel- not just, bel- you know, I have a bit of a knowledge of God, but I really want to be a believer and follower of Jesus. You know, tonight, if you would love me just to pray with you and all of us to stand together and pray, I'd love you just to raise your hand in a moment. Not right now, but in a moment. Or maybe you're here for the, and you know you need to turn back to our Heavenly Father because maybe you've walked away. You've kind of led your own life and done your own thing and kind of just said, oh God, you didn't mean to, but you've put God on the back burner, so to speak. I'd love you just to raise your hand tonight because God would be calling you and saying, yes, come on, I've got an incredible life for you, but I can't let it unfold until you accept me. So here we go. If you would like to, if you want to, you need to respond to Christ. Don't you know it in your heart? You need to respond to Him. It's a simple thing. You raise your hand. I'll see your hand. You put it down, and we'll pray together. Thank you. One person. Anybody else tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else tonight? We'll just wait a moment. Saying yes to God, maybe for the first time, or saying for again. I just wait a, a moment longer. Yes to God. He calls us. He loves us. He's always, he always had a plan for our life. I just give you a moment more. Anybody tonight? Yeah. I tell you what, as we're all standing here together, can I, just, can I just ask you to be bold? Would you mind just coming and standing with me tonight? Would that be cool? It, if you can't confess Him now, he'll, you know, it says it's going to be difficult to ever confess Him. We're going to pray. I'm not going to... If you raise your hand, you can turn to me, Adam. That's fine, buddy. If you raise your hand, I'd love to just pray with you. And you might say, oh, you didn't make that part of it. No, it's just a, it's a confession of God. Publicly, we've, we stand before Him and He says, yeah, yeah, I know you're fair income. I'd love to just pray with you for those who raise their hands to come and stand with me. Okay. Well, for the sake 
of one, we're just going to pray together. Is that okay, buddy? Brilliant, mate. Hey, I just want to shake your hand. Say, you're a good man. You're a good man, mate. Let's just, I'll make it easy. Let's pray this prayer. You pray it. Let's all pray together. That would be brilliant. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as I am. And I thank you that you love me. You've always loved me. And I thank you for what you've done through Jesus Christ. He died to take my sin. And right now, I confess that you are Lord and my Saviour. I believe in my heart that God, you raised Jesus from the dead so that I too may be raised up to walk with you. And I commit my life now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you for Adam. I just would ask that your hand would be upon him. And Lord, this is a very special moment because as he stands before you, you stand and rejoice in heaven. And I ask that you would strengthen him and help him. Lord God, I ask that, Father, you'd help him to say no to what the world wants to offer and yes to what you offer him tonight. And we commit him to you in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen. You know, tonight we're just going to sing a, a worship song in a moment. In worship. A worship song in a moment. But you know, tonight, if there's just a need in your life, just to say, it, it mightn't be response or commitment or anything like that. But it, you know what it might be? It might be just saying, God, here I am. Um, God, I just need more of you in my life. I just need to step out and, and say, Father, I, I, I just need to be uh, that devotion that Simone spoke of and having an undivided heart. Or Father, I just need you to help me face what I have to face. I just need your encounter in my life. I believe the Holy Spirit is here. Um, His presence is here to minister powerfully into your heart. His presence makes all the difference in our lives. And I invite you tonight. Maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You just say, hey, Father, I need you tonight. I need you tonight. As we sing, I just invite you to come. And we just gonna, I want to just stand with you, pray and believe God's hand to be upon it your life and touch your life tonight. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this worship song for a moment. Thanks, team. Burn within my 